We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, fellas, let's get into the offense. Let's jump into this thing. Uh, Like I said, 468 yards of total offense. And I mean, hey, let's talk about, you know, the elephant in the room, right? Steve Angeli, 15 of 19, 232 yards, three touchdowns, 78.9% completion percentage, no interceptions. His stat line, pretty impressive. Better than what I would have anticipated from a stat line, like I always thought Notre Dame was going to win fairly big, but his stat line was better than I anticipated. So let's talk about Steve Angeli, how he did in this game. Your thoughts on him, fellas, his demeanor, his play, all of it. Let's talk about number 18 in blue and gold. I mean, Vince, on the, on the show, when we did our kind of preview show of the game, I, I didn't I say I expected Steve Angeli to be very efficient in this football game? Yeah. And 15 out of 19 is... Very efficient. And I think that he showed me, he showed me today, he he exceeded my expectations in the total numbers. I said he was going to have around 180 something passing yards and two touchdowns, I think was kind of the thing I said, right? Right around there. So he has 230, 230 something yards, three touchdowns. He played a little bit better as far as just volume of stats compared to what I thought he was going to do. But Steve, I think for the, like the baseline, great things that he did was, One, I think that the offense was called very well, and I think that Steve was very confident and comfortable. Like People were asking, do you think there's a possibility he could lay an egg in this game and be a turnover guy? And I'm just like, I don't really see that, right? Like He has a really calm demeanor to him. He's a very confident kid, and I expected to see that in the Sun Bowl and his opportunity, and we saw that. Like He never seemed, even when there were a couple moments of like, the play clock coming down and a, a, a delay of game and having to call a timeout, he still seemed composed even when Marcus Freeman's yelling at him, right? Like he's just listening and he's taking it in and he's being taught and it's great. It's really good stuff. And I think from the get go, like that busted coverage to, to uh, Jordan Faison, I think was great for him because he got a really easy completion early for an explosive play. And I just think he settled in, man. And I thought he saw the game pretty well for the first start. Like, I think he, he, he did everything that he needed to do. There wasn't a bad decision really throughout the game. There were a couple 
poor throws that we'll talk about, but Steve didn't really make a bad decision all game. He was on his P's and Q's as far as knowing what his responsibility was, what his read was supposed to be, and making the necessary throws. He didn't put you in harm's way. He didn't do any, he didn't, aside from taking a couple sacks, didn't take a ton of negatives. He was just good. Like he was just consistent. He yeah. was confident in his abilities. And I just think he did a good job. I mean, exceed my job. expectations from a volume perspective, but he was just an efficient, good player today, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I think that goes back to your point earlier, Ryan, when you talked about how important the coaching staff was, right? Jared Parker, according to most, laid the game plan out before he took the job at Troy as a head coach. But Gino, in effect, made it come alive. I thought Gino, his time in a certain play calls, getting things. I think one of the most impressive play calls for me was just the fact that they went to the RPOs with Steve Angeli. They said it on the broadcast. Like, he hasn't run the ball all year. Well, we knew he could run. Like, we've seen it in practices. We knew that was a weapon he's had. No, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he is a very, very capable runner of the football. And you see him pulling, running the ball backside on the RPO. You see him getting outside the pocket, more accurate outside the pocket than inside the pocket. But we'll break that down a little bit later, like you said, double R. But I'm very impressed. I expected him to be very efficient as well. You know why? Because when he came into games during the season, that's what we saw. He was composed. He was efficient. He didn't make the big mistakes. We were shocked that he threw the interception at Stanford in that last game, which was a miscommunication mm-hmm. thing. So I fully expect him to be able to perform. I think we both said, I said on the podcast this week, like 200 yards. That's all we need from him. Like, that's all we need from him today. We don't need 300 yards. And this is the right. scary thing. A four-touchdown day was out there. Oh, yeah. Even like, if, you so didn't, probably, if you really yeah. get into, like, drop passes and, like, missed opportunities, he had a chance to add two to three more touchdowns in this game. And so the monster game was out there, but what was needed is what he did. Be efficient. You know, and then first-time starter. Dude, the delay of games, the stuff he was getting screened, I expect that from a first-time starter, man. You know, you yeah, you have to keep track of the clock. But, you know, he lost it a couple of times. Sure. And I, you can live with that because as long as he's not turning the ball over and giving it back to the other team, you can kind of make up for that, especially when you have the better team. And it was clear from a depth, depth chart standpoint with the opt-outs on both sides, 
that Notre Dame just flat out, even if, if everyone had played and no one opted out, Notre Dame would have had the deeper team and the yes. better team. Agreed. Like they would have. Would the game have been different? Probably. Maybe would have been a little bit closer. But other than that, you know, you just really saw a Notre Dame team, honestly, other than the ACC and their executives being jerks, had no business being in the Sun Bowl. Right. They, they really didn't, this right? So, okay, this is where you place us. You put us against a team that we're clearly better than. Okay, we're going to treat them like that. And I'm sure the Sun Bowl was pleased to just have Notre Dame there. Did you see any orange shirts in the stands? I'm sorry. I've... I kept looking. It's you know, it's funny. I, I kept looking. It's funny you say that, Sean, because we were all obviously the three of us were all watching it on TV. And at the very beginning of the game, they like zoomed in on some Oregon State fans. And mm -hmm. it was like 10 of them, and they were all kind of clumped together. And I'm thinking to myself, that may be all the Oregon State fans they were able to find because you could see mm -hmm. like on the outskirts, it was all like green shirts. <laughs> I thought that was obviously yeah. I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, but yeah. I, it was definitely look El Paso is a predominantly like Catholic town like it, it it's it's very pro Notre Dame just based on the population of people that are there and it yeah. showed I mean yeah. they sold the game out I I don't know the history of the Sun Bowl but my guess is they don't sell out the Sun Bowl all that often and they were sold out at the beginning of this week and and it was full now people left <laughs> because it was a blowout but it yeah. was full uh in the first half so you know yeah, I mean, obviously Notre Dame has that and, you know, they have that draw and all of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, the offense was was really good. Let's start up front, fellas. Four out of the five linemen were guys that were not starting on day one. We had a couple of starts under the belt of a couple of guys. We have no starts under the belt of two of the guys. Your thoughts on the offensive line and how they looked in this game? I mean, I thought it was generally speaking a very impressive outing i mean just kind of for and, and and i think it's a good thing that we do the, the the you guys do the upon further review show here because you know obviously getting into the all 22 that's where you really yeah. truly evaluate offensive line play it's hard to do it off a broadcast film and in a live game but overall i'll say this i, I thought charles jagasaw seemed to carry himself really well I, I saw him fall off a block or two which is to be expected for a guy making his first career start the sack that he gave up quote unquote, gave up. I don't really put that fully on him. I think the ball should have been out. And I think mm. that also, I think Steve kind of stepped into or didn't step into yeah. or step away from a pretty late pressure there off of a covered sack. So I don't really blame Charles Jagasaw that much for in that instance. But I thought that for most part, I didn't notice Charles. And when you're talking about a, a guy that was going in his first start against two pretty good pass rushers, you know, the, the Chatfield kid who I believe began his career at Florida, if I remember correctly, he had nine sacks coming into this football game. McCartan, John McCartan, the other outside linebacker, number six, is a good football player as well. So he went against a couple of pretty good pass rushers and had a pretty clean game overall. So I thought Charles played pretty well. I thought Tosh was solid, you know? Like, I didn't notice Tosh a ton in this football game. I thought he was okay. I'm not saying he was great. I'm not saying he was definitely wasn't bad. He was just a solid player inside. I think it's a little bit of the same. Like I saw Pat Coogan fall off a few blocks today. I think he just has a little bit of a trouble just kind of sustaining blocks overall. But overall, Ashton Craig, Billy Shroud had seemed to play good football games. But as a unit, which is the more important conversation for me, aside from individual performance, I thought the offensive line had a very good outing. Pass protection-wise, I thought it was very consistent throughout. 
Running started off well, and I think there were a little bit of missed blocks kind of in the middle portion of the game, but then down the stretch, obviously, they wore down on the Oregon State front seven. So overall, I was impressed, man. Hats off again to Joe Rudolph. I think Joe Rudolph got some young guys ready to play, and the offensive line overall impressed me in this one for Notre Dame. I think what impressed me, and I said this earlier, and not to, you know, because I'm right in line with what Double R is saying. Like, I was more worried about watching Joe Rudolph in-game than I was the preparation leading into the game. Because as I said before, he's not, it's not like he has two and three stars. Are they young? Yeah. But they're good. And you know they're going to make mistakes. So I expected them to be ready. I expected them to compete. The proof for, for me was third-string Ashton Craig walking into Death Valley in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, okay, if that young kid can walk into that situation and be ready, give me 15 practices, these other young guys are going to be ready. I was pretty confident about that. But I was worried about, like you said, Vince, the Oregon State defense pretty much was, was there. It was yeah. a formidable, formidable defense. And their two young linebackers that were starting, I like those two kids well. the way they played today. Absolutely. That number 44, he yeah. put a little meat on his bones. I think he he's be gonna pretty, be pretty good because yes. you know, he looked a little slight. He's a true freshman, I believe, right, Ryan? Very I, I active. Yeah, yeah, but very active, very fast, you know, yeah. isn't afraid to hit. Red, like, red, red shirt freshman, but close red enough. Shirt. Red shirt freshman. Okay. Yeah. Close enough, though. Yep. He, he needs to put some meat on his bones if he wants to be a middle linebacker. But other than that, I was very impressed with the way he played today. Yeah, so, you know, you lock that in. And I think the thing that stood out to me, I always love mm -hmm. to see, okay, in order to set the tone, which side of the line are you going to run to starting the game? And they went to the right side. And I'm like, okay, start the game with the run game. They're going behind Tosh, Billy, Ashton. Okay. And then they set the tone pretty well. And of course, I'm watching, like you said, I'm watching Charles Jackson. Did I say that correctly, uh, Ryan? You know, <laughs> I want to make sure I said that correctly. <laughs> so, we, we've, go, we've gone from Jagusa to Jagasaw right. to whatever the heck he's called now. Yes. Charles <laughs> J at left tackle was very good, though, today. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, Ryan did a great job pointing out, like, you know, exactly how he played. But I, we expected that. Like, we knew this kid was good. It was The injury really was the only thing that kept him from, like, getting into the lineup in some capacity, in our opinion. We talked about that all year. So, basically, Joe Rudolph, I just love to see. I thought the line, Brian, play to play, series to series, quarter to quarter, got better. You talked about that being cohesive. You could pick out one or two plays here. But I think they became even more dominant as the game went on. You start, like you said, they start to wear that Oregon State defense down. And that's what you want to see from an offensive line, right? Because you expect defenses to come out fast, be able to make plays. But they were able to limit those negative plays, allow Steve Angeli to be efficient. I agree wholeheartedly. That the same play you talked about, the sack he gave up, you'll see the throw he made to Salerno late was the same throw that was available. And he had a crosser coming underneath, and the ball should have been out, right? Yeah. But oh, that's yeah. just breaking down, you know, Steve Angeli in his first start. But I, I love what this offensive line was able to do. And, hey, we can talk about the big boys. Pendleton and the crew that came in behind him, they put in work on that yeah, job with Kenny Minchie. It's like, yo, Joe, man, let me tell you something. You talk about all the opt-outs on both sides. I would much rather have been Marcus Freeman with the opt-outs than Kefence Henson with the opt-outs. I can tell you that. 
I because his offensive line, the backups that he had to roll with. Well, that's what we talk about with the depth, right, Sean? I mean, right. depth, yes. I mean, come on, like, yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, that that's a no brainer with with the difference. I mean, if you stack both offensive lines, and they had that graphic up, you know, where they showed the the, the day one offensive line for Notre Dame, and then the, mm-hmm. and then today's offensive line, and okay, yeah, they, there's four new guys, and we, of course, we've been talking about that the whole time. But look, that offensive line that that Notre Dame put out there today would start on a heck of a lot of. Yeah. Division one power five schools, they just won't. Yeah, they just talent wise, it's still one of the best units in the country. It's <laughs> right. super inexperienced. I mean, that's right. what it was, right? You're just like 100%. Charles at some point, and I, I just refuse to say his last name anymore, right? So it's the artist Jag. formerly known as Jagasaw, Charles J. <laughs> <laughs> he, in about a year or two, is probably going to be in the conversation for one of the best linemen in the country. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, I truly do. Billy Shrouth, talent-wise, is about as talented as just about any guard that you're going to find in college football. He's extremely talented. Ashton Craig is a great mover and has a great body inside. Tosh Baker's talented. I just think lacks bend a little bit. Just, But either way, there's not a lot of great offensive lines in college football <laughs> overall. There's really not. So there, there is a lot of teams. I think you said it correctly, Vince. There's a whole lot of teams that that line that Notre Dame put out there today, from a talent perspective, they would be like, yes, please. Come here. You guys could start. We'll start all of you. We'll give you an NIL deal. What the heck ever. We'll make this happen, man. Yeah, right. Offensive line's very talented. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, I'll just give my quick two cents so I'm not completely stepping over you guys, but I thought the offensive line for all the new parts and pieces, I thought they played pretty well. There's going to be some stuff that we can nitpick. There always is, right? I I thought that they, they handled themselves very, very well. I don't think if you, you know, looked at all five of those guys you could pick out who the true freshman was because the the artist formerly known as Charles Jagasaw looked like a dude like just physically like getting off the bus dude you know what I mean like I I've noticed that right away and when you see it on TV it's different than even when you see it in person I remember seeing him at practice thinking holy moly because of course he was in like for stretch lines he was in the back because he was a freshman right and this is going to sound weird, but this is like the football coach and me talking like his backside was like, okay, this boy is going to be a lineman. Like, cause that, I mean, that's what you look at when you're looking for a lineman, like, you know, their base, you know, and all those kinds of things like this. He's got, this got, got, man. got, got some sand in the pants. Got yes, some sand in the pants. And yeah. that is exciting, man. Like he is a player and you could tell physically that he was going to be a player. The second he stepped on campus and you give sure. him a whole year under the tutelage, Joe Rudolph and, and playing behind a guy like Joe all, I mean, the, the kid's ready to play. I mean, and this was a nice little coming out party for him. There, there's no doubt about Sean, it. Sean, um, you, you remember when we covered the 2023 offensive line class of mm-hmm. Charles Jagasaw, Sullivan Absher, Sam Pendleton, yeah. Joe Odding and Christopher Tarek. What was the one thing we talked about physically? They are Some just big dudes. They're, they're, they are advanced though. Like they yes. are just big dudes. I mean, honestly, Vince, because it's to your point, is that if I lined up Charles Jagasaw, the artist formerly known as Charles Jagasaw, <laughs> and Sam Pendleton next to each other and just walked past them, how, what, what grade do you think those kids would be? Right. I would probably guess a junior, maybe. Yeah, well, right? Like, they're yeah. advanced. Yeah. Sam Pendleton is a grown man. Like, he looks like he could play in the NFL next year just from body composition perspective, right? Like, obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be an NFL player, you know, in, in a couple of years. Right. I have no idea. But ultimately... I think you said it perfectly. 
They are just some impressively talented kids, and Joe Rudolph had them ready to play today. Yeah, and that was the most important part to me. Yeah, they absolutely Vince, were. Vince, you give the best drops in all the podcasts. <laughs> Dude, that 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 he got sand in his pants, and that's exciting. That I, I'm sure we're gonna see that on social media. Yeah, <laughs> over the next one. <laughs> Vince is gonna have his pants cupped, just like a big rump, like a big old rump. <laughs> You know, if, if I'm going to go viral, it might as be for something like that. You know, why not? Oh, man. That's what I do. Um, all right, let's move off of the offensive line so I don't get myself in any more trouble here. Uh, we talked about Steve Angeli. And, and real quick, I didn't really give my opinion on Steve. I just want to throw it out there. I thought he played well for Steve Angeli. I thought he oh, he exceeded my expectations. There's no doubt about it. His poise was something that I expected, but it was really nice to see. I, yeah. I mean, his poise was was really, really good for a guy that has never started a game, obviously, has no college experience, really. And he has known he's going to be the starter for a month. And it didn't look like it was his first time starting from a poise standpoint. I really, really, really like that from him. Yeah, he missed some throws. He made some rookie mistakes. You know, a couple of those sacks that he took, he didn't need to take those. You can, you can write that off to a first-time starter, to be honest with you. Now, there were mm-hmm. some easy throws that he missed which you would love to have back and he'll be probably the first one to tell you that um but they also did a a fantastic job of putting him in a position to be successful and he executed what they asked him to execute and so all all in all i think he did a great job today i think he did a great job today in the as as sean would say in the microcosm of today's bowl game i think steve angeli did a great job and now yes. he's got some great film to show what he's about. And I think that's awesome for him. That That's fantastic. And whether he stays at Notre Dame, whether he doesn't stay at Notre Dame, that's fodder for another podcast. But today, I thought he played really, really well. So there's great. Let's talk about the backfield. Because I think we all thought that Jeremiah Love was probably going to be the lead back. I don't think that that's really ended up what happening today. We well, had the most um, carries. He just wasn't nearly as efficient. Yeah, as he wasn't as efficient. Yeah. And that's crazy that he had the most carries because I didn't see that uh, coming from just watching the game. I didn't realize that that was actually going to be the case. You're right. He had 15 carries where Price only had 13, but he had 15 yep. for 39 and Price had 13 for 106. Um, yes. So a little bit different there uh, from a production standpoint. So boys, talk to me about the backfield and your thoughts on how they played. I mean... Sean, I would kind of phrase it like this. I think that overall the backfield showed a lot of great things, right? Like we saw obviously Jadarian Price break off the long run. We saw Jeremiah Love with the 13-yard touchdown catch out of the backfield, which was really nice to see. I, I mean, um, Jabron Payne had a couple nice runs. I mean, you even have Devin Ford that was running the ball hard down the stretch of the football game. So I think each running back showed a lot of promise. It was it was interesting watching. It was interesting watching. Jeremiah love today though because there were Vince I texted you in the like the first carry of the game he almost oh. broke that buddy man he yeah, was almost yeah. gone yeah. and he did that two or three times where he got like a five or six yard game where it was that was almost 60 right it was mm-hmm. almost 50 that was almost a big game and I think that was the biggest difference in the game was that he just wasn't quite able to break that long run because let's be honest about something right it wasn't Super efficient for the most part for J- for Jadarian Price either. I mean, at one point he had 12 carries for like 52 yards, which is like 4.3 yards a carry. It's not bad, 
but also that 60-yard run or that 54-yard run was what really helped the average and helped the total overall, right? So I think efficiency-wise, Jadarian Price was was better than what Jeremiah Love was today. I just think that this is a big offseason for that running back room because overall, I would say this out of the top two backs, they both need to get stronger physically. Like you just need to be able to run through some more arm tackles. I'm telling you, man, Jeremiah Love was a block or two or a tackle breaking away from having one or two long runs in this game. And we have a completely different vibe on Jeremiah Love after this game. If he oh. just breaks one of those completely yeah. different. Good call. But overall, how can you not be excited, man? I mean, everybody besides for the announcers who think that Jeremiah Love doesn't have speed for some reason, which was one of the dumbest comments I had ever heard in my life, that group is incredibly talented. The least talented back we saw today, probably Devin Ford, who's like pretty talented in his own right. Second is probably Jabron Payne, who also looked pretty good in the limited opportunities that he got today as well. That running back room is an embarrassment of riches is the mm -hmm. best way to put it. No they doubt. need an offseason of physical development. <clears throat> and if it happens this year or this offseason, I think that we'll be talking about it this time next year of, wow, what a dynamic duo Jabron, or Jadarian Price and Jeremiah Love was, including Kedron Young coming in, including Aeneas Williams coming in. There's a lot of talent in that running back room. And that was my takeaway with running backs is – could it have been more efficient? Sure. But we were also talking about redshirt freshmen, true freshmen. They'll get there. Jeremiah Love will get stronger. Jadarian Price will get stronger. But overall, you saw every part of their talent that you wanted to see in the back in the in in the game today, man. It's all there for the taking. Brian summed it up as about as well as it can be summed up. And look, Jeremiah Love, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. The jump cuts by Jadarian Price. Look, what Jadarian Price did today and the way they brought him along during the season and let him build up towards the end of the season was all about getting him through the season healthy coming off that Achilles. That point blank. They were not about to put a lot on his plate throughout the regular season. They played it correctly, and you saw him fresh in his bowl game, and you see what you have. He made a jump cut to the outside, mm -hmm. I want to say, on like his third or fourth carry. Up that on a play that wasn't there was supposed to go inside and it's like yo and the one thing that he has the capability to do is get out of the arm tackles when guys are swiping at his feet that's something that jeremiah love as he gets stronger even being slender jeremiah love when he runs inside does not get pushed back that's right. like the most impressive thing about the kid the kid hits the hole patience vision can I just make one request? Because I really don't have a problem. Because I trust Dylan McCullough and how he develops his running backs. So he's doing the right thing by Jeremiah Love. Uh, Notre Dame, can we get 12 in space next year? Can, can, do you see who he is when he's in space? Like when he caught that like, touchdown pass? Can we <laughs> use him a little bit more out of the backfield? I mean, look, it is an embarrassment of riches like Ryan said, but is also a multiplicity of riches at the running back position. Mm -hmm. Because you're talking about guys that can do a lot more than we've seen. Yeah. And on top of that, look, can we please run the ball outside the hashes in the red zone? It's almost like when Notre Dame gets into the red zone, they only believe they can run the ball in between the hashes. It's like, 
use the entire width of the field. Like you can score using the entire width of the field as well, especially yep. with a kid like Jeremiah Love. Like give him the option or a play where he can bounce it outside. Like just run him inside when you basically have 11 guys inside the hashes on defense. It's like you're not even using his full capabilities of how he can impact the game. But other than that, that's nitpicking, man. Look, right. Ryan summed it up, man. And I don't even want to go into, like, the nuances of it. You guys will get into that tomorrow when you go, you know, and review everything. But, Ryan, we, dude, there's no need. But can you imagine Dylan McCullough the first day he gets his hands on that room when the freshmen show up? Mm-hmm. Are you Future kidding me? Yeah. Are Peter you Young kidding? is already already listed by Notre Dame at two hundred twenty-five. <laughs> it's wild, man. It's gonna be wild. Sean, I'm telling you though, man. Imagine next year when Jim- Jeremiah Love is about two hundred five to two hundred eight pounds. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the difference because that speed is going to be able to translate all the time. He just yeah. has a little bit more pop in that lower half, man. He is going to be a dude. Jadarian Price puts on just a little bit more strength in his profile. Keaton yeah. Young comes in. You got the versatility of Aeneas Williams as well. That running back room is going to be sick. Like, it's going to yeah. be silly, man. There's so much the, talent in that room. The top two. Do you have a comp? Because I was thinking, I'm like, yo, are they like McFadden, Felix Jones? <laughs> That's a good one. Are they like yeah. Chubb? I'm like trying to find like a one-two punch that they yeah. remind me of. But I, I I don't know if there's a duo that I can remember in the past that I was like McFadden and Felix Jones makes a little bit of sense because like, I mean, Jeremiah Love is built a little bit like Darren McFadden, a little bit high cut, a little bit of a taller back. Felix Jones mm-hmm. was a little bit shorter, a little bit closer to the ground type of thing. And they both had home run speed. I mean, I, I keep saying this, man. And I don't remember Ricky Waters playing for Notre Dame because I was a little too young to remember Ricky Waters playing for Notre Dame. But I do remember a lot of him in the NFL. And that's who Jeremiah Love, when he puts on a little bit of weight, that's mm. who he reminds me of, man. Like, he looks like running waters, man. Like, he really does. So, I guess the closest thing, though, to answer your question, maybe Derek McFadden and Felix Jones, like, maybe that's the comp. I don't know, though. Hey, they're, they're going to make their own comp is what's going to end up <laughs> happening. Um, and the problem is, for that, that room, I mean, you named off five or six guys that are going to be in this room. The ball can't go to all of them. Like, how? what is that going to look like? you know, in the future, is this a, is it going to be a complete room moving forward? You know what, but either way, whoever leaves, whoever stays, if they all stay, whatever the, the running back room is, is exactly what you guys call it. It's going to be an embarrassment of riches for however they want to play it. And they can play any style. Like that group can play any style, depending on who you want to be your lead guy. You bring in another fresh kid and you can run something completely different and be just as effective. Like, but that, if you're Mike Denbrock and you're coming into this offense from the running back room that he had at LSU, which was, eh, in my opinion, I mean, I, I, he had our left over. Right? It was fine. It was fine. It was okay. Yeah. It was it was in. Injure, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but it was in. not as good as Notre Dame's for sure. Right. For sure. But for now sure. he's yeah. coming in and and he's going to have these guys if they're all fully healthy and what he can do. Just dream up a run scheme, and you've got guys that can they can do it like that's yeah. that's going to be exciting man we're going to we're going to yeah. hopefully we're going to see some creativity out of the offense next year from a run game standpoint and no one in that room seems upset with their role like dealing right. i don't know what dealing mcculloch is saying yeah to get everybody to buy in yeah but he says honestly 
Yeah, he, you're right. He's honest. Right, That's why yeah. they bought in, Sean. I mean, we heard that yeah. when, during Jeremiah Love's recruitment. The thing that the reason that Jeremiah Love and the Love family fell in love with Dylan McCullough and the fit with Notre Dame was because he was honest at every single turn with them throughout that recruitment. So what is he selling? Selling honesty, in my opinion, right? Ultimately, and I think Jeremiah Love and his family understand this, is if Jeremiah goes to the NFL and plays running back, it's actually better that you don't have a lot of wear on the tires, man. It's actually better for you long-term. It's better for you to be a consistent player for two years, to be a contributor, and then maybe break out as a junior and be that dude. That's the Mm -hmm. ultimate trajectory, in my opinion. So sharing the football, having a great running back room, waiting your turn sort of, but also still playing at a high level. Like that's That's the trajectory of a running back, in my opinion. I think Dylan McCullough is just... Sold honesty to that running back room by all accounts. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Let let's talk about the 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 position that everybody was worried about coming in. They're not going to have the numbers. They're not going to be coached. They're not going to be this. They're not going to be that. I think the wide receivers played pretty well today, fellas, and uh, they obviously had a new wide receivers coach for the majority of bowl prep in Mike Brown, which. To the naked eye watching this game, there was already a noticeable difference in some of the fundamentals uh, from that wide receiver room. I'm excited to, to watch it back and watch a little bit more closely. But, uh, you know, between Faison and Thomas, and then you saw a sprinkling of Great House. I mean, I thought these guys played pretty darn well, and they played well for Steve Angeli and caught the ball when they needed to, got open when they needed to, made themselves available for a first, you know, first start quarterback, et cetera. But the wide receivers played well, guys. Yeah. I mean, look, the one thing that stood out to me when Marcus Freeman met with the media is that um, he talked about how Mike Brown came in hot. (laughs) He came in like, yo, but if you listen to Mike Brown and his introductory press conference, he talked about not coming in hot. And, yo, these guys are already preparing for the bowl. They've been practicing. I'm just kind of going to sit back. And so it seems like somewhere up in there, like, the coaching staff said, no, hey, go coach. Be you. Don't worry about messing things up. We have everything set. And I'm glad they said that because it seems like it had a profound effect on the entire wide receiver room. Like, the way they ran routes, they were very sure of themselves. And I think – we saw a glimpse of proper usage of the talent, right? Mm-hmm. Jordan Faison inside, over the top, right? Being inside, bunch the bunch formations they use early to get guys open, to get guys in space. Jaden Thomas is a perfect guy to work the middle of the zone, stop routes in the red zone, things of that nature. That's his strength. Using the wide receiver wide receivers and putting them in position to do what they can do and use their strengths is what we saw with the play calling, the coaching, and like you said, even Matt Salerno on that catch late in the game. That was a great catch. It was going really down. Catch. Really <laughs> yeah. good catch. So yeah. look, you have to be impressed with what you saw all year. All you heard, they can't get off press coverage. They can't get open against man to man. They can't look coaches. Coaching and the talent that Notre Dame has at the position, there's no excuse for Notre Dame not to have production out of the wide receiver room. And even with limited numbers today, 
you saw when you meld the coaching with the talent, this is the type of production you can get from the wide receiver room. So now moving forward with additions that are coming, double R, yep. excitement is the key and the word of the day, right? <laughs> with all the turmoil you went through with that room during the season and then after the season, to be at this spot, to have this performance in the bowl game, you have to be extremely excited about where the wide receiver room in Notre Dame stands, considering what has yep. transpired. I mean, Sean, I would put it like this, and I, I think you probably agree with this, Vince, but please correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the wide receivers in general, they looked energized in this football mm. game. And I mean, that's partly yeah. going to be because they just had a little bit of a layoff, right? And their bodies are feeling a little bit better and a little bit more healthy and all that type of stuff. I thought Jane Thomas looked a lot healthier today, which was oh, awesome to see. It was fantastic. Yeah. He picked I up where he left off when he was healthy at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I literally told Sean, I literally texted Vince like that. Like I was so happy with Jane Thomas. Cause I know obviously dealing with the hamstring, man, it was just something that was just nagging the entire year throughout the yeah. middle of the year. So I was very happy to see him back and healthy. But all overall, because I mean, I didn't see Mike Brown coach. I don't know what impact he's had in the meeting room. Like, I have no idea. But based upon what I saw today, I thought they were a lot more energized and enthusiastic to get off the football. Yep. It looked like very clean route breaks to me. Even the play, plays they didn't come up with, I thought that there was a compete level for the football in the air. And but overall, outside of that, I think that they utilized the wide receivers from a coaching staff perspective at, in a great way today. Jordan Faison, the first pass play of the game, literally, they were lined up. I believe it was Jordan Faison in the slot, and it was Jane Greathouse out wide. They short motion Greathouse and basically got him in the defender's face. Faison comes off his butt outside. It's like a little rail route, right? And it was miscommunication in the secondary. You know why it was miscommunication? Because it's a... It's a little bit of a rub, but it's also a crossing routes combination where miscommunication is going to happen, man. That was my favorite thing about this offense today is from a wide receiver perspective. One, I think they knew what their guys did well. I think they knew what they did well. I think they knew what they were trying to do with the offense yeah. or in the wide receiver position in general. But Vince, they were at, they put them in position with some things that we have not seen enough of this year. They were stacking wide receivers. They were short motioning wide receivers. They were doing crossers. They were doing multi-level things to try to get a safety to guess wrong, try to get a linebacker to yeah. guess wrong. It was just different. They even ran some mesh in this game, which went for the, the play to Jane Thomas on the big catch and run. That was a mesh play, but he wasn't where the eye candy was. They had literally like a little like flare out, flare out with, with um, I think it was, probably Jeremiah Love, and then it was somebody else coming across the other way. And then Jane Thomas was just like an afterthought, it seems like, except I think that play was designed to go to Jane the entire way, depending on what the look was for the defense. So the offensive coaching staff in general, Mike Brown gets credit. Gino Gadulli gets credit because oh, we know yeah. that Gino obviously has a big hand in the passing game as well. The passing offense was a lot more – a lot more creative today. Yeah, I agree. I saw things that helped players get into positions to make plays. And ultimately, for the most part, the wide receivers made plays. Jordan Faison is lightning in a bottle. Jane Greathouse didn't get a ton of targets, but you saw in his one catch specifically after the catch, he's got a lot of ability. Jane Thomas looked healthy today. Matt Salerno made a really tough catch over the middle of the field. It was a yeah. really good catch. 
the I feel like the wide receivers have been prepared well for this football game, and they were put more importantly in position to do yeah. what they do best on the field. Well, and the wide receivers took advantage of the opportunities that they had, right? Jordan Faison was targeted six times, had five catches. Uh, Thomas was targeted five times, had four catches. Great House was targeted twice, caught the ball twice. Granted, he got smoked on one of them, uh, but that was more lack of blocking in front of him than anything that the quarterback or he did. Um, and then Jeremiah Love had one and one, and Salerno was one for one, right? So they took advantage of the opportunities that they had. And Jelly did a nice job of spreading the ball out. Or you could say the offensive game plan did a good job of spreading the ball out. However it was, it was executed very well on both ends, I thought. And they also allowed these wide receivers to make plays after the catch. And that was one of that was one of your keys to victory, Ryan, was allowing these receivers to make plays after the catch. And they did that today. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. You saw, you saw Faison making plays after the catch. You saw Thomas making plays after the catch. Yeah. I mean, there was 121 I, yards after catch in this game. Of the 230 passing right. yards they had. So more That's than half saying. the yards were after the catch, which is a right. big number. Obviously it's a pretty big number. It's, it's not quite number. San Francisco 49ers big, but like, uh, it's a pretty big number overall. But still, but, but still your point is still there, right? You, you yes. allowed your athletes your playmakers to make plays. And that's what we, I mean, let's be honest, fellas, it's what we've been asking for all season. Let your playmakers make plays. And they did today. Um, and that was a really, really fun thing to watch. I mean, they, they, they didn't always execute, but when they did, they, Notre Dame was basically able to do really whatever they wanted offensively um, at the end of the day. And that's why they ended up with almost 500 yards of offense uh, in this one. So um, and we can all agree that they left plays out there and they left points out there. Like this could have been yeah. Yeah. much worse from a score differential standpoint, guys. Especially if you throw in like the tight ends into the wide receiver conversation, right? And we just make it a pass catcher conversation because sure. Eli Raritan should have had a touchdown on that one. Obviously, that was oh, he should have had two. Throw. Should have had two. Yeah, should have had two. You're right. That was a nice defensive play by that kid to punch the ball out. It was. But that was a good play. That was a but good still, play. Still, and Jelly just flat out missed him. Yes. The first time. The first, first half. No, oh, the first one. Yeah. Absolutely. That was honestly, that was probably Angeli's best throw of the day was the one that Raritan couldn't hold in the back of the end zone because he was oh, getting yeah. pressured in his face. I don't yeah. think he saw exactly where Raritan was. He just kind of swung it go. to a spot and it was a, yeah. it was a beautiful ball, man. That was a really yeah. good throw by Steve. Especially. Faison, go, sorry, right? Sean, go ahead. Azon had beat the safety and he threw yes. it behind him and allowed the safety to get back in the play. That's a touchdown well, as well. well yeah, luckily, absolutely. luckily, Faison still scored a touchdown though on that drive. On that drive, so he, yeah. he, he vindicated himself, I guess, <laughs> a little bit for that one for sure. At, and and the throw to to Eli was even better when you figure the original or the the first time that they threw kind of a fade route into the corner of the end zone to Jaden Thomas. I mean, he completely airmailed that and threw it out of bounds. I mean, he didn't even give Jaden Thomas an opportunity to catch that ball. But later on in the game, he gives Raritan an opportunity to catch that ball. So Steve, learning from his mistake. And or or just having a better ball, however you want to say it, I thought he did a better job on that one as well. So mm -hmm. absolutely. So yeah, I mean, look, guys, I think at the end of the day, this offense was pretty darn good. Let's give out some game balls uh offensively. Sean, who are you giving your offensive game ball to? Or hey, I'm, you can get hey, multiple if you want. Steve Angeli has to get the game ball for me. And I know that's low-hanging fruit today, but look, <laughs> for me, I, I just think. What he proved for himself 
I think is a tip of the cap to Gino Gadouli, not just for being the offensive coordinator, but for Steve Angeli admitting that, yo, <laughs> he, Gino Gadouli has been big for me and my growth as a quarterback. So Gino gets the double dip today, right? The yeah. double tip, like yeah. as the quarterback coach and the play caller today as the OC. And then just like, as I said before, man, like this is great to see with that narrative out there about development in the quarterback room in Notre Dame. Like, it's a microcosm, and, you know, you still want to see it over the course of a full season, but, like, it sure. feels good to see this type of performance from a guy that was evaluated, recruited, coached, and developed at Notre Dame. So, Steve Angeli is my guy. Brian, what do you got? Uh, Vince, I want you to go next, man. I know you hate Italian, so I want to see if you defer from Steve or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you also know, I don't like to get, I don't like to repeat game balls. So I, I'm oh, here go, we go. See the shots. I mean, it. It's it. always been my thing. I don't, I don't give, a, I don't do the repeat, man. You guys do, but I don't. So I, I'm going to give my game ball to Jadarian Price. I thought he, he, he excelled in the opportunities that he had. Went over 100 yards, got in the end zone. I thought he ran the ball really, really hard. Uh, I think he did a really, really good job. I will. Since I do love Italians, I will give my my also my hat tip to Gino Gadulli because I thought he called a really, really good game. And he was the offensive coordinator in this game, even though I know that it was a group effort for the game plan and all that. And even Jared Parker had a lot to do with how they were setting up the game plan. Gino Gadulli gets my hat tip because he called a really nice game today. I also do not like to double dip. I was just busting on you, obviously. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Jordan Faison, who I think won the MVP nice. of the Sun Bowl. Yeah, but he like he man, he made a lot of big plays, man. I mean, the busted coverage on the first one, the great I, I completely forgot. Brandon Plensner reminded remind me of that that great catch he made down the down the sideline down the right sideline, which was a tremendous catch. Yeah, had a touchdown. That was awesome. He also had that one where he caught the football and he did like two different spin moves and was just like a yak god on one play as well. So <laughs> give me Jordan Faison for the game ball. But Steve Angeli it. deserves big credit. I, I probably ended up giving co game balls to be honest. But yeah, I was actually surprised that Steve didn't get the MVP. If I'm being honest, like, I, I figured that's the way that they were going to go with it. Not that Jordan Faison was not uh, completely deserving of it, but I thought they were going to go to Steve Angeli. But either way, we have given game balls to this... Steve Angeli, to Darren Price, and Jordan Faison. This chat is wild, man. Someone said busting on you would might go viral. Like, guys, come on, man. Not everything goes viral. Can we not be kids? <laughs> Honestly, wow. like, what? What? All right. I haven't made any crazy takes yet, so we're not going to go viral just yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's going to do it for the offensive side of the football. Make sure you hit the like button, the subscribe button, share with your family and friends, five-star review, all that fun stuff. But uh, stick around because we're not done yet.
Thank you.